We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host Nick Pilato. And if you're like us, that means you're probably ridiculously nerdy when it comes to this whole football thing. And you just spent your weekend watching the NFL Combine. You had it on in the background. Listen, Nick, my favorite parts about the Combine is and will always be getting little nuggets from Daniel Jeremiah about his scouting grades because he doesn't necessarily post that much online. Like, he'll put out his top 50, and he'll give a little blurb about those 50 players. You can find some nuggets on his Twitter from time to time, but, like, the actual most you're going to get from Daniel Jeremiah is during the combine because he drops nuggets when he's watching a player do a drill or watching the player run the 40. He talks about his scouting evaluation of these players. And you know me, I'm a big Jeremiah fan. I believe he's one of the best in the business. So take almost everything he says is gospel. And he's not going to listen. No one hits these hundred percent. The NFL GMs get this wrong, but I love to hear those nuggets, Nick. So when I have it on, that's what I'm paying attention to. That's what I'm looking out for. And I watched most of the combine this weekend. I planned Saturday, but luckily NFL network, you're able to tape it. And so I rewatched yesterday's coverage um, in between today's coverage. So had a good chance to watch it all and get caught up a little bit on what's going on with these NFL draft prospects. I mean, we're going to take a little break from this, Nick, as we're about to hit free agency for like this next two week span. But it's just interesting to see the different buzz and the different players. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the NFL combine. We're going to focus on the defensive players today. In addition to starting this podcast off, talking about the Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley contract updates. And then tomorrow, we're going to dive into the offensive side of the ball. And just as a spoiler, there's a lot more fun stuff to talk about side of the ball. Yeah, I'm excited to dive into the offensive side of the football. And Dan, I got to say, man, it looks like you just took a shower. You're looking fresh. You're looking clean. Your hair is kind of down a little bit. It's not as poofy or up in the air. It's a good look for you. Oh, thank you, bud. Yeah, I did just take a shower. Been back in the gym lately, so, you know. After a nice little workout in a Schwitz, as they call there, it. You know what a Schwitz is? No, I do not. I'm trying to wonder if that was something on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Was a Schwitz no, something not. on Curb? It's, it's not? Okay. Jewish, it's like a Yiddish word. Um, every a new thing I've been working into my gym sessions, Nick, has been we have a sauna at the gym I go to. So I've been trying to work 20 to 30 minutes in the sauna post-workout. A Schwitz, if you will. Just sweat it all out. And it's really <laughs> helped with my sleep. You know, I've had some sleep problems in the past. And so I'm a big proponent yeah. for those who uh, are, you know, questioning it. Go to the sauna after your workout. Spend a little time in there. Big sauna guys over here. And if you want a refreshing drink, and no, this is not an ad read, but I wanted to see, Dan, if you actually have tried this flavor of Waterloo, orange vanilla. 
No, I haven't tried that. That could be interesting. I'll it's be honest pretty with interesting. You, I would. Uh, I don't want. I don't want to burst your bubble. I'm gonna, anytime you work vanilla into a seltzer flavor, I start to worry about artificial stuff a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe check those ingredients on the back. I've, I've recently followed this Instagram. No, account. it just says purified carbonated okay. water and natural flavors. Okay, I don't know where you get natural vanilla from, but maybe somehow they can figure it out. <laughs> but have you ever heard of the re, uh, wake up and read the labels account on Instagram? Somebody sent it to me, and now I'm like inundated with all this bad stuff the U.S. is selling us, and we're poisoning our bodies with. But let's talk about the football. That's what the people are here for. We don't need to talk about seltzer, which weirdly enough we're obsessed with, and we drink a lot of it. But let's talk about football. Let's start with the two most important things to the Giants right now. They're non-combine related. They're Daniel Jones. They're Saquon Barkley. They're the free agents to be. And so we got some updates this weekend. The first being no contract was signed. You know, there was discussion that Daniel Jones and the Giants were coming closer to terms. Maybe a deal would be done at the combine by the end of the combine. Well, what we heard today was Daniel Jones's agents, his side, left the combine. No deal in place. Now, from what we heard also today, he's still the priority. And the plan right now is, yes, they got a little bit closer this weekend as far as coming to terms on the contract, but but no deal was signed, like I said. So the plan is still try to find a way to sign this long-term deal. If not, they plan to use the franchise tag on him. And according to Ian Rappaport, if the Giants do not sign Jones to a long-term deal, they will use the franchise tag on him. However, something I thought was interesting he said the Giants are not close to a long-term contract with Saquon Barkley. So those terms are way off, apparently. I think the Giants are kind of just sticking to their 12.5 offer type of thing. And if the Giants can sign Jones to a long-term deal before the Tuesday deadline, then they plan to slap the franchise tag on Saquon Barkley. This is kind of the first time I heard of this, Nick. And I didn't hear anything tied to it from Rappaport or anyone else saying, well, you know what? Barkley might hold out. Barkley might refuse this, that type of thing. So I am curious because to me, now I'm putting into play a new scenario that might be, in my opinion, the best case scenario, which is assign a long-term deal with Daniel Jones, especially if it has an out in the contract or at least a way to get out of the contract if he doesn't progress, and to get Barkley back on a one-year deal. Because for those who have listened to me say I don't want to resign Barkley, it's because I don't want to invest long-term money there. If I can get a one-year franchise tag at 12.5 mil, sign me up. Absolutely. And it would be less than 12.5 mil for the running back position as well. And there would gotcha. be. We knew there was going to be some sort of cascading effect. I think it's with 10 Daniel mil, Jones. by the way, so sorry about that. Yes. No, it's all good. But we knew that there was going to be a cascading effect. Daniel Jones was signed while the Giants brass and the uh, and his representatives were in Indianapolis. Then the franchise tag would have likely been used on Saquon Barkley. Now we're getting that confirmation there. But I'm just not sure if the Giants are going to meet Daniel Jones where, where his money reportedly is. Because the money that's coming out right now, it's pretty damn high. Daniel Jones. And I feel like Dan Duggan had a pretty good uh, article yeah. at The Athletic on why Daniel Jones actually separated from CAA. And it was because reportedly CAA felt like his kind of had delusions of grandeur on what he was going to get paid. And that kind of throws a whole different perspective onto what's actually going on with the Giants. So these next two days might be very, very uh, interesting. Yeah, it seems like, you know, we've heard this whole time the Giants are far apart on long-term expectations with Saquon Barkley. Apparently the same with Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones was expecting a lot more money than the Giants were valuing him at. And now they've been spending the last week and a half with his new agency trying to figure out how to bridge that gap. But the problem is 
the new agency has to do right by him in his mind. So they have to stick to their guns. And I even saw that they reportedly wanted 48 million to kind of put him in that range of, you know, just above Kyler Murray, above Dak Prescott by a good amount. I believe above Patrick Mahomes, it would make him. Um, and now we're seeing, you know, more reports circulating. That was Dan Duggan, who I think is very, very uh, on point with this type of stuff. But now we're seeing more stuff that says, look, we are starting, at least this is Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, says he's hearing the deal could is, is closer than people think to being signed. And it could be four years in excess of $160 million. That would put it, you know, just over $40 million AAV. Again, the guaranteed money is the big deal here, right? Like if it's 90, if it's 80, if it's 100, if it's 120, what that means, for those who don't know, the more guaranteed money, the longer they are attached to Daniel Jones, the longer they have to go before they can release him if he doesn't work out. The, lo- the harder it is to trade his contract down the line if it doesn't work out. So what you're looking for is less guaranteed money if you're, I guess, a fan. I don't know how to explain this because it's weird because you know some fans are like, I don't give a crap, give him all the money they want. But in a salary cap era, what you are honestly looking for is more flexibility from a salary cap standpoint. That means lower guarantees on the final contract if it is signed. I'm at the point, Nick, where I've heard some rumblings that a deal is closer than people think. So this Jeremy Fowler report is the one that I've heard on my end. So I do think it will get done before the Tuesday deadline. But it puts a lot of things in limbo because if it doesn't get done, that means Barkley will hit free agency. That's what it comes down to, right, Nick? Because they're they're not going to come to a long-term deal with Barkley before Tuesday. I think that's pretty obvious at this point, right? So the only way to prevent him from hitting the open market and assessing his value there is by slapping the franchise tag in him. But you can't do that unless you sign Jones first. Yeah, it's a really uh, sticky situation for Joe Shane and the New York Giants to be in. But I like the way Joe Shane is handling it right now. He is not panicking. He is not budging off of the number, right? He offered him in the front office, offered Saquon Barkley reportedly $12.5 million during the bye week. That was turned down. And if they're not even close on the contract right now, what is the number that Saquon Barkley is asking for? And will he even receive that on the open market in such a deep running back class? I understand Saquon Barkley's value, but the National Football League, they're kind of in lockstep on not overpaying running backs who have an extensive injury history. Like I, I don't know if it's going to be more than Christian McCaffrey at $16 million. So that's still up in the air as well. And it's really interesting on that from that standpoint because I think in Rappaport's report, he basically was like, yeah, I mean, we've never had really, we haven't really had a free agent like Barkley at the open yeah. market. But at the same time, sure, that's true. But you also are hitting at the worst time, unfortunately, for Barkley, right? Because like you said, it's a super deep and talented running back free agent crop with Josh Jacobs, Kareem Hunt, uh, David Montgomery, I believe, plenty of other, like f- several others, maybe not at that range, but that's already more than usual. And then more importantly, and worst off for him, this is a sick running back class. I mean, we saw it at the combine today. There are some really, really, really good running backs that are coming into this draft. This is one of the best classes I can remember. It's not only that it's top heavy, because it's really not besides Bijan, but it's super deep, man. There's going to be like day two, three, day two, round two, three, four picks at running back that are going to be, in my opinion, when they're selected, the best player available on the board. Like every single time they're taken from, you know, I don't have to go over them right now. We'll talk about them more tomorrow. The specific names. I got a lot already. Even like an arcane, like the dude who ran the four, three, the arcane, who people, a chain, a chain. Is that how you used to pronounce yeah. it? A chain, yeah. arcane, a chain, whatever. It's definitely arcane. not. The worst, so. <laughs> I love that. What a mysterious man. Somebody <laughs> wants that kind of speed though, right? Like on their roster, somebody 
can use that immediately. That's like the type of stuff you see with like the pre-snap motion. You get this guy, like even the, just think about what the Giants did a little bit with Matt Breida. You get a guy like that with that kind of speed, a different level of speed. You know, you have even Tajay Spears, Deuce Vaughn, players we're not even thinking about. They're not even like the top five at this position. It's crazy, the running back position. So that's going to hurt Barkley too. But it is interesting that they do plan to use the franchise tag on Barkley if they can sign, re-sign Jones. And I like that. That's something I presume though. I'm not sure if we brought okay. it up on the podcast, but that's something that doesn't shock me at all. My expectation was that he just wouldn't play under it, but I guess, you know, he hasn't what said leverage does he? What leverage does he have, I guess? None really. Just create a mess for the locker room, be a malcontent yeah. like that. No, but they do. You know, that happens. Mm -hmm. It happens more in the NBA, I feel like, than the NFL. But you've seen it at times with Le'Veon Bell. Like some people have gone the malcontent route. And like, you know, if you're Giants, you're Brian Dable, Joe Shane, you probably don't want to test that right you don't want to put that into motion but as long as you've discussed it with his side and they probably have they've probably been like look if we don't come to terms with this long-term deal we and we can sign daniel jones or going to franchise tell you and so we haven't heard anything yet that from barkley's side like i'm not going to play under this i can't accept this that type of thing so ultimately that'd be a good thing i think what a lot what gets lost so much in the barkley discussion by so many people when we have this conversation on twitter when people reacted to the video we did breaking down if we wanted to resign him is like you and i don't look at this as a one-year deal and if we're talking about, and we're not talking about the franchise tag right now, when we're talking about re-signing him earlier to like a three, four-year deal, we're not caring just about 2023. Everyone's like, what are you going to do if you let Saquon Barkley go? You can't find an offensive lineman for that kind of money. Okay, then don't find an offensive lineman. Wait till 2024 to spend that money. Wait till 2025 to spend that money. Like, it doesn't have to just be about 2023. And when you start to look at things just about the short term, just about what's happening in 2023, that's how you fall into the Kenny Galladay trap. That's how you fall into the Kyle Rudolph trap. That's how you fall into the Patrick Omame trap. So you fall into the Nate Solder trap. This is not the way to go. This is the bad way to do this. Sam Beal, there's countless examples from the past regime. So I'm happy Joe Shane's not going to fall into that trap. And I agree with you about what you said about Shane. I really like how he's played kind of hardball with Daniel Jones because I think and I talked about this today on Twitter, Nick. I think for me, a lot of the reason why we both believe, and I don't want to speak for you, but I'm pretty sure this is how you feel, that the non-exclusive tag is the best option to use on Daniel Jones is because we it allows the Giants to kind of really see what his actual market is and stop like projecting it, projecting the market. Everyone's like, oh, no, if Daniel Jones hits a market, he's definitely going to get signed by some team. Yeah, Daniel Jones, if he signs another team, makes that team better, say it's the Jets or whoever. But that doesn't mean that that team is going to spend that money and that cap space on Daniel Jones just because that makes them better in the short term. They're looking at this like, is this an investment I want? Do I want to not go the quarterback rookie route where I can get that cheap rookie contract? And you lose all those things when you sign Daniel Jones. So it's not as simple as my team gets better. If I sign Daniel Jones, I'll give him 45 million. Giants, your turn now. You give him 45. And I want to see what happens there. As do I. I'm really excited to see it. And think about it, man. Like the Giants are about to be set on the path for their future. And the yeah. two arguably the two biggest names on their team right now it's undetermined now i'm pretty confident that daniel jones will be the quarterback in 2023 but saquon barkley man that is a that is a huge asset that you might be losing and for all the variables and reasons that we have discussed over the last several weeks you know i completely understand it but it's gonna piss off a lot of people of course especially if it doesn't if both of them aren't back a lot of fans are just you know gung-ho on having both back i think actually the majority of our fans are probably not in that camp which is interesting i think our fans probably tend to lean toward where we're at with this which is bring jones back and let barkley go 
Um, I don't know if they lean toward the franchise tag, but I will say this as far as, you know, the whole contract negotiations between Shane and Daniel Jones aside and how much hardball they've played. The fact that, you know, in the past, you know, you know, a Marek Edelman combo would have just given him anything he wanted. Essentially, they would have been like, oh, you want 48 a year? Let's just settle on 46 and a half and call it a day. Like it will knock a couple million off here and there, but you get what you want. Shane's not going to do that. And I think what makes it so interesting to me is. He understands the value of Daniel Jones, which is this is a prospect. He's 25 years old. He had these massive steps he took forward in pocket presence and his ability to create plays off script. You know, he still has that. He has the height. He has the frame. He can make all the throws. He can run. I don't want to get rid of this type of prospect at 25. But just because you want to lock him into the roster and you can do so by giving him a franchise tag doesn't mean that you have to try and get ahead of your bet. And when you do a long-term deal, you're trying to get ahead of your bet, right? You're trying to make this gamble that we can sign him for 42 million AAV. And by the time 2025 hits, he's such a better player that he's now worth 55 and we have him for the bargain of 42, but that bargain you know, if he takes a jump and he makes that and becomes that player, we hope he does. That bargain lessens as that, you know, as his side asks, offers more or asks for more, right? If his side is asking for 48 million, the franchise tag is 32 million. You're not getting much of a bargain there. So you're not really losing out much by not signing him to the long-term deal. You don't have flexibility for this year. It would cripple them for this year until they, you know, they would restructure Leonard and things like that. But who are they really trying to sign anyway this year in free agency? Like who's worth spending money on anyway? Do they really need this flexibility right now in the salary cap situation for 2023? I'm not so sure that's the case. Well, but we're about to find out. I mean, yeah. I don't know if go out and look to add linebackers or look to add some veteran defensive backs to they really just tear up Wake Martindale's defense. I know they want to fix that run defense. And I don't know if they're just going to yeah. be able to do that through the draft unless they invest high draft capital, like pick 25, into that linebacker position with some of these guys that we might go over. And even then, is it going to solidify this team, that run defense, in 2023? Right. I mean, you can't be that bad against the run again. And you can't have Jalen Smith and Gerard Davis out there playing linebacker for you. So you're going to have to go out and invest some money in that position or higher draft capital, unless they really trust the Micah McFadden's of the world in those day three picks. I don't think that's the case though. Right. I completely agree with you. And it, and this, what you just broke down, Nick is even more important in the NFC versus the AFC, right? Like to get through the NFC gauntlet, you have to beat the Eagles. You have to beat the 49ers. Those are two teams that are going to crush you in the run game. If you have the same run defense, you just put out there last season maybe in the afc you place you know you play a finesse bills team or a Bengals team that's overthrowing that day and you might get lucky and you're the chiefs even but in the nfc that's not the case and you build to defeat the teams in your division right. jalen hurts is in your division he's not going anywhere you need rangy second level defenders who can stop what the eagles did to the giants three times last year Yep, completely agree. And so we'll see what happens there. And I know he wants the flexibility, Joe Shane, and we want it too. But I just am happy that I'm from everything I've seen so far, it seems like he doesn't have any plans to kind of sacrifice the long-term health of the franchise just to find that short-term sugar rush from a cap standpoint. And that's what I like I that sugar rush. Yeah. yeah, he's measured. He's a very measured general manager. And that's one of the things I respect the most about him. Same, same. He wants to make this roster better, but he wants to do it his way. And that means prioritizing everything the whole pick big picture not just 2023 so we'll see what happens there more news to come nick and i will be on top of it here if a contract is signed tomorrow the next day or any time before tuesday we're recording this on sunday night and that goes for barkley as well because we don't think a long-term deal is happening there but you never know it could potentially happen we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Nick, let's talk a little combine right now. Let's transition this thing. Let's talk about some players that stood out to both of us when we were watching the combine, whether that be from their testing or from the drills or from what we heard and what we're seeing about them. We're going to reference on this podcast a lot of RAS, which is relative athletic score. This is a, you know, tracking. This is data analytics tracking by Kent Lee, who's on Twitter as MathBomb. Also, as a little shout out, Kent Lee is going to join the show later this week, and we're going to talk with him about some of the big trends he found with this year's RAS scores. But to me, this is a really, really good way to kind of have a snapshot of the entire prospect's athletic profile, because it's not just looking at the 40-yard dash, which you know, and you've heard me say before, I find insanely overrated. It's looking at, this, the, it's looking at the speed overall, 10-yard split, the explosiveness, the quickness, 20-yard split, the shuttle, the vertical and the broad that shows off explosiveness, the shot, I'm um, sorry, the, the shuttle and the three cone shows off the agility and then the 10 yard and the, and the, and the 20 yard, which shows off that acceleration. So it's looking at the entire profile, obviously the bench press as well. So we're going to get into a bunch of prospects here. Um, let's start with a prospect who ran the fortest, a fastest 40 yard dash for an interior defensive lineman in the history of the NFL. And that's Kalijah Canty. And I hope I pronounced that right, but it is Kalijah. You did. It? Yes. Nice. Yes, you pronounce that perfectly. Four six seven forty. A four six seven forty is a defensive tackle, um, and that was the fastest by any defensive lineman by a huge margin, point one four seconds, which is a lot. It was faster than Aaron Donald's official time. So pretty insane number there for Kalijah Clancy. I'm curious to see where this dude goes in this NFL draft because he is such an outlier from a size standpoint. He's like six foot two eighty, and not sure he fits every single defensive system. But in my opinion, you could play in any system, even if some coordinators are like, I don't want that type of guy. So I'm curious what you think about him after this. And if he's somebody who's at, at all of interest to you or at interest at all of you to you uh, uh, to the Giants. I think he if the Giants wanted him, they'd have to pick him at 25. And yes. I wouldn't go in that direction. I like Kalijah Kansi. He's an undersized, just straight penetrator who can get upfield so quickly. Had a 1.64 10 yard split with that 4.67 40 wow. yard dash. But the comparisons to Aaron Donald, they're unfair. Look, Aaron Donald, they were similar size. And yes, Kalijah Kansi ran a slightly faster 40, but Aaron Donald had like ridiculously long arms. I want to say they were like 33 inches. I don't have them in front of me, but they were long. Kalijah Kansi had just over 30 inches arms 30 and five eighths so about mid-range on that right so that's a big difference when like we, we talked about Aziz Ojolari Dan mm -hmm. do you remember when Aziz Ojolari came out one of the things we loved about him before the Giants drafted him was he was only about six foot two but he had really long arms like 90th percentile length so not only can he use that height which is perceived as a disadvantage, but when you're in the trenches, pad level is everything right so you can play with really low leverage and when you can lock offensive linemen out 
and you have the long arms and you might have, you know, length as a checkbox in your favor, then you can really play with leverage and discard and do everything that you need to do to win those one-on-one battles in the trenches. Cansey, he doesn't necessarily have that. Cansey's going to thrive just on penetrating. And I did an evaluation on Cansey over at Giants Country. I liked him. I had a second round grade on him. I think he's going to be a really good football player in the league. It's just with the Aaron Donald comps, it's, it's not fair because Aaron Donald is a true freak of nature. Yeah, it's not fair. And I just, I'm, I'm even have, I'd even have concerns about where he'd fit right now in this defense. If the Giants draft him at like 25 overall, like could he be a, a sick, fun, rotational piece? Sure. But like the Giants really want to invest the 25th overall pick in a rotational piece to start off. I don't think so. And then even after that, I'm not even like sure where he could play. Like, would you put him on the edge? Like, I don't even know where you would put him in this defense. No, neither do I. I mean, honestly, man, like can't see like that, that was phenomenal. Right. Mm-hmm. But I felt like the Northwestern kid, I believe it's pronounced Atatami. Atatamiwa Adabare, I believe is how you pronounce it, but a yes. lot of people just call him Tom. I think, I think that was solid, though. But um, he is 282 pounds. So we're talking about the same size, actually one pound more than Kansi, but he's classified as an edge, a la a Jihad Ward type yes. of edge. He freaking ran a 449 40. That is significantly faster than Kansi, but people are like raving about Kansi and not really giving right. respect to Adabare as much. And Adabare is very interesting. I think that's a player. And he's another one who has really long arms, almost 34 inch arms, only he's like a shade under 6'2. So you're talking about low leverage, long arms, one of those five techniques. But I feel like you can align them all over the defensive front. I've watched like highlight reels of him. I haven't gotten to Northwestern's defensive film yet. I've watched their offensive film for Peter Skaronsky, who's a really fun player who will more than likely be drafted in the top 15 of this draft. He's an offensive tackle, might play interior offensive line for Northwestern but I really like that really interests me and I feel like he should be getting a lot more buzz after this combine because that's more impressive than what Cansey did yeah and it wasn't just the the 40 yard dash either I mean it's the full mm-hmm. deal here he has almost a perfect RAS score and some of these do he had a 9.85 RAS score out of 10 some of these dudes hit 9.9 we'll get to them a little bit later but this dude is six foot just or just just six foot one and a half sorry 282 he was elite in Bench press, 27 reps, elite with a vertical jump of 37 and a half inches. I got to say, Nick, and we'll talk about this more as we go through this podcast. Back in the day when I used to watch the combine, even just as recently as like four or five to four to like six years ago, no, like 37 and a half vert used to be a really freaking good score. Now I see people ripping off these verts and broads that are like yeah. wild numbers. I, like, I remember they used to be like somebody hit 40. It was like Byron Jones and everyone's like, oh my God, like is this a 40 inch, uh, you know, vertical jump and nowadays like you have a 282 pounder with a 37 and a half inch vertical which is a 9.48 percentile or 9.4 score on the ras a 9.52 ras score on the broad jump the 20 yard split was filthy 2.61 seconds the 10 yard split was filthy 1.8 or 1.61 seconds i mean he has everything you want that didn't he didn't test out i don't believe with the agility drill so we don't know if he can you know if he has that bend and that ability but i think as a five technique he won't probably need it all that much and so this is a really interesting prospect and i'm curious to see if he's also someone the giant that might interest the giants yeah, we have to see if the if the functional athletic ability on the football field matches what he right. was able to test out as I'll, I'll get to his tape eventually. And, and I'm really interested to see that, but these are very impressive numbers and it's just seeing Cansey get the, uh, all the adulation makes me be like, yeah, let's, let's talk about this guy. This guy is heavier and he ran a significantly faster 40 yard dash. Agreed. Another player I wanted to talk about before we move past this position group and onto the edge position is Brian Breesey at a Clemson. This is a player who I think, 
has a chance to drop to 25 just based on the position he plays. And at that time, be considered on some draft boards, maybe not the Giants, don't know what they're wanting or looking for, the best player available. I just get that feel from a player like him based on the fact that he's an interior defensive lineman. And I thought he looked really good. You wrote that you liked how he looked operating in space and some of the drills. I agree. I feel like he looks like a really good athlete. And I know Clemson's turned in a lot of good defensive line defensive linemen. Obviously, the Giants are well aware of that with Dexter Lawrence on the roster. I know Dexter Lawrence, there was a little like Giants video they put out where it's like Brian Dable calling his players. Yeah. Kayvon, he talks to Dexter. And he's like, how's the Clemson kid look? kids look? And he's probably got an eye on this kid, Brian Breesey. He probably has an insight onto him. I'm curious what your thoughts are. Have you had a chance to watch any Clemson yet? And if not, maybe if you'd be considering a player like that at 25. I have not watched Clemson yet. I don't know if I would be considering a guy like Breezy, but a little background on him. This was the first overall recruit during the 2020 right. recruiting cycle, according to 247 Sports. So highly acclaimed. And you look at his college career and some might say like he didn't live up to it as much. He had 26 pressures in 2020, only 10 in 2021, and then 24 this past year, only had eight sacks according to pro football focus. So a little bit underwhelming. I know he dealt with tragedy this season and missed several games because right. his younger sister who was dealing with cancer ended up passing away, which is absolutely devastating. But uh, when you look at his athletic profile and his size, like he's six foot five, like a real six foot five, 300 right. pounds. Like he can play anywhere on the defensive line and he might not be the most explosive, at least according to his, his testing numbers. I believe he jumped 29 inches in the vert and that's not looking great when you, when you look at some of these other freaks of nature, but he's still more than capable as an athlete. I think he, uh, I don't know if he'll be around at 25, but that's probably not the direction I would want to go in. But I say that while also acknowledging the fact that I haven't seen extensive amounts of his film, only just kind of watching Clemson on Saturdays. Yeah, and I think I'm probably in the same boat as far as investing in tier defensive linemen there without kind of those explosive traits. But it is a bit of a planet theory guy, too. Like you said, he's got the length, he's got the size, and he is the former, bat, you know, former first round for first over recruit. I like that type of stuff. I like investing in those oh, yeah. players that, you know, you hope the pedigree's there. You hope that you can unlock them with better coaching. All right, let's move and on. You want to talk about segways? You want to talk about segways, Dan? Yeah. Let's go to another first overall oh, recruit yeah. in the 2018 recruiting cycle, I believe it was, or maybe it was 2019. And that is freaking Nolan Smith out of the University of Georgia. The 2019 it was. And Dan, who was the second overall recruit in that recruiting cycle? 20 Mr. What? 2019. His name is Mr. Kayvon Thibodeau out of wow. South Central Los Angeles. So this is the only recruit during that recruiting cycle who was ranked higher. And he plays the same exact position. That's Nolan Smith out of Georgia, man. And he is somebody who took the combine by storm, not even for his athletic testing, but just for his podium session and the amount of charisma that he had and how authentic he was answering questions. I was really impressed with that aspect of him. And then he went tested and was just an absolute freak of nature. Yeah, he's a freak of nature to like if you're looking at just the athletic traits, right? Because he had a 9.21 overall RAS score, insane 41 and a half inch vertical jump. It's just crazy to me if we have edge defenders jumping like that and a, and a 9.85 score on a broad jump, even better there. 40 yard dash was insane, 444, which is absurd for an edge player. 20 yard split, same thing, absolutely dominant. 9.98 score, 9.97 score in the 10 yard split. So you know he's got the acceleration, he's got the quickness, he's got the jumping ability and the explode which shows off the explosion but he is still six foot two and 238 like if you look at that he doesn't really grade out well according to edges from a size standpoint but i know from everything i've heard 
he has the things you're looking for as far as the actual tape goes. He's a really good run defender, and it seems like most of those guys who come out of Georgia have at least pretty good uh, ability to set the edge and play the run. Though we have seen at times, if they play the run well at Georgia, it doesn't always translate that well to the NFL like we've seen with Zizo Jolari, right? When the players get a little bit bigger, the competition's a little tougher at the NFL level. But maybe that could be an issue for him, obviously. The arm length is not terrible there, but when you're six foot two, 238, it's not as easy to set the edge, I would say, at the NFL level. But he also has the bend. I mean, that's the key thing here. So he's got every trait you want from a pass rusher. And now I think with this combine, he's going to shoot up draft boards. Yeah, he'll probably shoot up draft boards. He might be looking to be selected around where the New York Giants are picking, yep. right? Back end of the first round. Because again, the size profile is an issue. He's not even 240 pounds. And his profile, man, screams like, I'm not a good run defender. Don't put me out there. But when you put on his tape, it's like, holy crap, yeah. this guy's an excellent run defender. He plays with excellent leverage, low center of gravity, locks out, strong hands, everything tight, everything inside, plays peekaboo really well with the blocker, tosses him aside when he has to, very heavy hands, very violent at the point of attack. And then he just loves to just take on pullers man like i absolutely loved seeing him take on pullers and if anybody wants a detailed breakdown of nolan smith please head on over to big blue view i did a youtube for them i might start posting some of those on our channel as well so so people can get a little bit of exposure to it if you don't have the uh, if you're not subscribed to big blue view which i would encourage you to go over there and subscribe to them but nolan smith also man according to pro football focus in 2022 he had a higher pass rush win rate than any of the other top edges he was top five in the entire fbs and pass rush win win rate and when you look at his statistics, he's never had more than four and a half sacks in a season. It's not that great, right? But think about Georgia. They have five-star, 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 yeah. five-star all across. And they rotate defense. like crazy. They rotate like crazy, and they're blowing teams out. So in the second yeah. half, he's hardly playing. So sure. you have to kind of look beyond the statistics and dive into the context of this kid's situation. It also sucks because he tore his peck this season in week nine against Florida, and he ended up missing the tail end of the season. But he was pretty integral part of what that defense did when they won the national championship last year. And then before he got hurt, he was also the, basically the team leader on defense where you have Jalen Carter and all of these other five-star recruits. So you're talking about a guy who's going to come into your locker room and command respect as a rookie. So that is scream smart, tough, dependable. I know the, the, uh, the pec injury would suggest something different, but that's not like a Achilles or, or a, or a torn ACL or something like that. So I'm not as worried about yeah. the pectoral injury, but I really like Nolan Smith. I don't think it's really the giant situation right now, Dan, to invest in edge at right. 25. Maybe if he was available a little bit later in the draft, but I don't think he will be at this point. And I just think he's a high floor player who at the worst is going to be a very, very good situational pass rusher. Because if you look at his profile from 2021 to 2022, he started adding more pass rushing moves and I felt like his aiming points and, and aspects of his game were starting to progress in terms of how good he was as a pass rusher. When you combine that with that athletic ability and your ability to threaten the edge because you have the bend, those are things that not a lot of edge rushers have and yeah. he had it. So that's something I really respect about his game. I wouldn't be surprised if he moves even further up past 25 with, with what you just broke down and just given, you know, what how the NFL is really thirsty at this point for edge rushers as well. Let's talk a little about, bit about Lucas Van Ness, defensive end from Iowa. And we try to, I'm going to try to mention the school name. We haven't done the best job of that so far. We were just talking about Nolan Smith from Georgia. And now we're talking about Lucas Van Ness, a defensive end edge prospect from Iowa. You know, in the past, typically Iowa prospects and the edge, haven't been the most athletic players. Obviously, my boy over there uh, in Buffalo, AJ Epinesa, not the most athletic player. Didn't really translate. 
Lucas Van Ness, I haven't watched much of him, but I do remember early in the process, you said you watched some of him and you didn't feel like he had the best. Uh, you didn't feel like he, he may have the traits that you're looking for to translate the pass rusher. I don't know if that's changed at all for you. I don't think it should based on your evaluation of the film, but what do you make of that when you consider it in the context of the combine you just put together with a really high relative athletic score of 9.22. The height is in great percentile. The weight is not there. The bench isn't there. The vertical jump was actually pretty bad, 31 inches, but the 40 yard dash four, five, eight is insane, especially for a 272 pound person. The 20 yard split was an elite percentile, the 10 yard split elite percentile. And then more importantly, I think than anything, the short shuttle and the three cone were really good numbers at four, three, two and seven Oh two for the uh, three cone. So what do you make of all that? Lucas Van Ness. So he played hockey in high school. That was his number one sport. He transitioned to football. And if you look at him, the team at Iowa, the Hawkeyes called him Hercules. This was a redshirt sophomore who never started a game at Iowa. He has a lot of talent in the sense of power, burst, quickness off the snap. And all of that was evident on the film. My issues with Lucas Van Ness, and I feel like you could see it in the in the drills, the bag drills, is he's tight. He's not a Nolan Smith. He's not going to rush high side and bend through contact and win in that manner. His goal is to run through you. He is a power rusher to the T. But when you're at the NFL level, yeah, that doesn't train. And you're not going up against Bobby Hart and Eric Flowers consistently. It's difficult to run through. Or worse, honestly. The yeah. big ten tackles are worse. Yeah. Like I think he's I think he's gonna be a good player, right? I think he's gonna be a good run defender. I still think there's a lot of room for growth for Lucas Van Ness. But if you're an edge rusher who can't really threaten high side or or bend around contact and you're stiff, I feel like your upside is limited. So that's where I'm at with Lucas Van Ness. And you don't fit this scheme, to be quite no, honest. No, not for the New York Chapter. But I still think he he's gonna come run. in. Like it, his 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 power and his ability to penetrate because he does have a really quick first step. I feel like his second and third step when he is on the edge is is not as quick as that first step, which is really really important. You can kick him inside in certain situations. Right. I feel like he'll make those splash plays, those tackle for a loss because his penetration and his strength. Right, but man, dude, you just you need to have that ability for me when you're talking about a top 15, cause he has like top 15 buzz to be a top 15 pick. You need to have that ability to threaten the edge, right? Like yeah. Sam Hubbard. I absolutely freaking loved Sam Hubbard coming out of Ohio state. He ended up going to the third round, but I knew Sam Hubbard was a little bit limited in the sense that he wasn't going to threaten the edge. That's not right. him. Lucas Van Ness is kind of similar to a Sam Hubbard type of player. Someone who can have a really good NFL career, but he's not going to have the type of upside as guys like BJ Ojolari in this draft or right. guys like Nolan Smith because what they can do in terms of bending the edge and really stressing tackles and just putting it in the back of tackles' minds like, bro, you need to kick out there. You need to get out there and cut off that angle, and that sets up you know inside moves and all this other stuff. And Halbert's like the 99th percentile of that type of prospect. I would say more than not, those types of prospects don't end up working out because their power and everything that they use to win at the college level just isn't doesn't translate as as well to the NFL level. And I remember loving Hubbard too and thinking he was an incredible value, but I didn't think he was like somebody who should have gotten in the top 15. Now, obviously, looking back, that probably is the case, but he hit that, you know, percentile. And who was that guy on the Vikings? They had our Jared Allen a while ago. Yeah. Like that's yeah. like that's like what you're trying to max out at. That's that version of that like four three yeah. even front defensive end. I would sign up for Jared Allen any yeah, day of the week. Of course. Week, though, That's a hundredth percent of that, but it doesn't always work that way. All right. Anyone, anything else at edge before we move on to the positions the Giants desperately need and are definitely going to be more likely to invest in linebacker, corner, potentially safety? 
Yeah, I feel like uh, Yaya Diaby, I believe he is from Louisville, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. He tested well, and he looked really good in the bag drills. I felt like he had a solid wave drill as well. He had this one initial slip, and that usually like throws guys off, but he really recollected his balance well, and I just felt like he moved well in space. And then other players that just kind of caught my eye that I don't know too much about. I don't really know too much about Jose Ramirez, but just his bag drill. I felt like was pretty impressive just the way he moved, the way he bent around it. Will McDonald is somebody who had solid testing, but I heard he's the Iowa State edge. Jose Ramirez is Eastern Michigan. Will McDonald was dealing with some sort of illness is, is what I heard. So he didn't maybe test as well as a lot of people expected, but he's still an absolute stud and somebody I feel like the New York Giants will be interested in. And then there's Tennessee's Byron Young, who had a really good RAS score. I'm imagining I don't have it in front of me, but I know he ran fast. He was explosive. He's a bit of an older prospect. He'll be 25, but he's a really quick and sudden edge rusher out of Tennessee. And I'm actually really excited to watch that Tennessee defense because they had a couple guys who uh, were pretty impressive down at the combine. Byron Young probably topping that list. Interesting. Those are players we'll keep an eye on. And obviously, you know, as this draft process moves along, we're going to start to get more reports of the Giants meeting with these players and the Giants showing interest in some of these players. That's when we'll start to hyper-focus on those prospects. Right now, it's kind of a guessing game. But let's move on to linebacker because, as you mentioned at the top of the show, Nick, it's still on both of our minds, the number one need for this defense. I mean, you just can't afford, you can't, you're not winning a Super Bowl next year with Jared Davis, Micah McFadden, even if Beavers comes back and Jalen Smith at linebacker. That's the most obvious thing anyone could say, but the only solution is to add talent and add different players. So I think they will be serious this draft about finding a linebacker. And I know Joe Shane talked about it a couple of weeks or a week ago at the combine. He's like, look, Wink has a very specific, uh, you know, idea for what he wants at that inside backer position and it's really hard to find we need somebody who's going to be able to shed those blocks those 300 pound linemen but also drop in coverage and there may not be that kind of prospect in this class not every class has that but i think you should at least take a swing at some point trying to find that prospect and let's start with the prospect first who had a really good combine a player you've already evaluated on tape i haven't seen much of besides watching him live on saturdays and he's a player who ultimately I think could be a target for the Giants, depending on how the NFL views him and his value, because I don't think he's a first round target for the Giants. And that's Jack Campbell, the linebacker out of Iowa, who, you know, on tape is probably the best stack and shed inside backer in the in, in this class, which is really important because that's number one for me. That's like the first thing you need to find for the Giants. Find a linebacker who could actually play the run and knows what he's doing there. But also, you don't want to just have a linebacker who can play the run and is only that boxy type that can't drop a coverage because then you're limited and you're a liability. Now, when he's on the field for every snap, defenses, uh, opposing offenses are finding ways to find matchups against him in coverage. So you want to see if this guy has the ability to play coverage. And from an athletic standpoint, I mean, he did some things at the combine. The 46540 isn't anything to write home about. But I, again, I don't give a crap about a 40. I don't know when Jack Campbell's going to need to run 40 yards down the field or 40 yards up the field. But the three cone, man, six, seven, four, three cone, insane change of direction right there. Absolutely nuts, which for a linebacker is very important, especially if you're asking a guy to flip his hips and drop in coverage. A 37 and a half inch vertical and a 10 point, uh, 10 and 10 foot, eight inch broad jump, which are insane explosive numbers shows he is an, he's a really good athlete with explosiveness and a 1.5, 10 yard split. Remember a couple years ago, we've changed regimes. Obviously there's a new defensive coordinator, everything like that. But the giants were really hyper-focused at one point on that 10 yard split, right? Because, and even this past year with Micah McFadden tested well in that. And obviously in the past, the dude from uh, Connolly, Ryan Connolly from the giants or from Wisconsin the giants had him for a little bit 
before the injury. Tested really well in the 10-yard split. The 10-yard split, it's showing off quickness. It's showing off burst. Giants are a team that want to shoot those linebackers, right? They want to send them upfield. So I thought that was really something that stood out as well. I mean, this is a guy who had tested elite change of direction, elite explosiveness, and elite quickness acceleration. When you look at him, you would imagine, right? Because this is a six foot five, 249 pound linebacker with 32 inch arms, that he would probably look bad in the open space type of yes. drills. I felt like he looked fine. I felt like he looked fine out there. Like, not even bad. Like, he was good. Like, I felt like that was a, uh, a positive in his profile. The 465, whatever, like you said, but all of those other metrics are very impressive. And I think if the Giants want Jack Campbell, they would need to get him in the first round. I don't know if he's going to be there. For that for that second round pick, I could be wrong there. Like guys like Leo Chanel, they fell, but yeah. I feel like Jack Campbell is a better type of prospect than even a Leo Chanel. So it really depends. And also, when you look at these other linebackers, from what I've seen so far, I still have more to watch. Jack Campbell is by far and away the best true linebacker. Yes. You have a lot of guys who are like, "Hey, I was a safety two years ago, and now I'm just athletic running around out here." Or, yeah. "Hey, I was an edge at Alabama, and now I'm at Arkansas, and I'm playing inside." Henley, he was a wide receiver. Uh, who's that? Henley, he was a wide receiver. Turn, yes. Turn yeah. Line. Yeah. Yeah. And he had to transfer. I think he was at Nevada, yep. right? Initially yep. he transferred. Yeah, exactly. So th they're all a little raw and they're just athletes running around. Jack Campbell, man, he keys and diagnoses. He knows yes. running concepts. They he knows how to bait running backs. He, he just knows how to play the position right. nuanced. Right. So I, I really, I mean, I really liked his tape and these athletic, uh, these athletic metrics are pretty impressive other than the four, six, five, but that, that's fine for me, for someone of this size, he's 250 pounds, six foot five. That's a big ass dude. And I think that's, to me, that's the baseline. That's the foundation. If these guys don't have the instincts at the position, the key, the ability to key and diagnose, that's, they're never going to make it. You can look at all these amazing athletic profiles. Even a player who I really liked a few years ago, Simmons, the kid from uh, Clemson. What was his name? Simmons, right? Jeffrey Isaiah Simmons, yep. Isaiah Simmons, yeah. I just love Jeffrey Simmons for a second from Tennessee, but Isaiah Simmons <laughs> hasn't really made it in the NFL. And like, at the same time, like, is that even a pick you really want? I know he's had some flashes. Like I saw him carry a vertical route last year. And one game I was watching the car, I was like, holy shit, this dude is what I thought he was athletically. But you know, if you're looking for this inside backer position that giants desperately need someone to play, you need to find a guy who immediately has those instincts and can play the actual linebacker position before you worry about the athletic traits. I think, and so Campbell has that plus now he tested out with the athletic traits. I think it's the NFL, so I don't think they're going to have to take him in round one. But I think there's a chance then he comes off the board 10, 15, 20 picks before them in round two. That's when you start to look at it like the Giants don't really have good draft capital in each round. So it's like maybe they make a trade up for a player like that. If he starts to fall and they really like him. But I, I wouldn't expect him to come off the board in round one personally. It really just depends. It depends yeah. on if there's a team that's like, hey, we need a linebacker. Yeah. A linebacker, is it's somewhat being devalued similar yep. to running back right like you have teams who are just punting exactly. it like like the eagles they look for like one thing like tj edwards is not that fast of a guy but he is a processor right right so let's just plug tj edwards into our right. lineup and he's going to be successful for us because he's always going to be where he needs to be he doesn't need to run that fast of a 40 so there's a lot of teams going in that direction i don't know if the giants would be like hey we're at pick 25 we need to fix our linebackers this much that we're going to invest in jack campbell would i be shocked if that happened i don't think i would be shocked i just don't know if that's the uh that's the path they're going to take and a lot of it also depends on how the draft goes. Like, I don't even really know. And we'll talk more about this on the next podcast, how the wide receivers are going to be selected. I'm not really hundred percent certain how that's going to even work mm -hmm. out. And that's going to definitely affect the New York giants. Cause I'm sure that position is probably at the top of their board and corners. Now the way they test oh. at the combine, like there's going to be a lot of corners selected on day one of this draft. Oh yeah, dude. I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about these cornerbacks, man. Yeah. And they're, they're very good, but some other linebackers just of note, Owen Papo, 
I mean, dude, he blazed the 40 yard dash, like just a ridiculous time. He had a one, five, two, 10 yard split. And then a four, three, nine 40 at, I believe he is six foot, 225 pounds. So he has that undersized thing going on. That seems to be all over the NFL at this point, but he's somebody who definitely caught a lot of people's eyes. Cause he also jumped out of the gym, 35 and a half foot vert, 10, six broad jump. And then he had 29 bench press reps. It's pretty good for 225 pounder. Yeah, definitely someone. What about Trenton Simpson? I've seen him mocked a little bit to the Giants. I'm not personally too interested in taking him with the 25th overall pick, but he's somebody who I think could continue to fall in the actual draft. I, I just, again, I'm more to loan lines of what you just said a few minutes ago, Nick. I just think at this point, the NFL is not drafting linebackers high. They're not drafting centers high for the most part. I mean, you, you'll get an occasional one here and there, and they're not drafting running backs too high. But, I, but, but what about Simpson? Anything you saw from him in the drills or anything that stood out to you? He ran, I have his profile up here. He ran a four, four, three, which is really impressive for a six foot two, 235 pounder. He looks the part, you know, comes from yeah. a military family. So I'm sure he's very, very disciplined. A one, five, five, 10 yard split is pretty impressive. 25 on the bench press is okay. Right. Um, I haven't watched Clemson's defense yet. So I would be disingenuous if I was talking sure. about his game. Like everyone that I've talked about extensively at this point, I've seen a lot of tape of, so I'm very comfortable talking about them. But with Trenton Simpson, haven't seen it quite yet. You know, I didn't feel like I saw anything that really jumped out at me and grabbed me. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I feel the same I mean, way. Four four three though, that's that's a fine forty yard it's dash. Good, but the forty yard dash doesn't do it for me. As I've obviously exactly. made clear plenty of times here, that's not I like good. how long his arms are. Thirty two and three eighths. That's yeah. solid line. He yeah. like he strikes me as somebody who. If the Giants drafted him, he wouldn't be as big of an impact player in year one. Maybe he'd be like a year two type of guy. Like even like Jamin Davis, like I feel like when the when the commanders drafted him, he had a much better year two than year one. And he was lost at times in year one. I almost feel like that would be the case with the Simpson type versus like a Jack Campbell out of Iowa. We were just talking about like, I think you draft him and I don't want to use the 25th overall pick on him most likely. But if you do and if you find or if you find him in round two at some point, he could plug and play like you could put him in right day one. And I think by like the second OTA, not even like OTA, but like the second day of training camp, he's running with the ones and they're already like, all right, he's our one, you know, that's just how yeah. I feel about a player like that. All right, let's move on to the cornerback position, which I believe stole the show from the defensive side of the ball. Just absolutely insane athletes at the corner position in this class. We have to start with the first one for me, Christian Gonzalez, the corner out of Oregon, who I think basically solidified himself as a top 10 pick in this class. A lot of people already felt like his film was top 10. I know Dane Brugler tweeted out. Um, this just confirms what I already feel. Brugler has him as fifth best prospect in the entire class. He had a not, what was, let me, let me find, let me load up his athletic profile. It was a 9.9 .9 relative athletic score. The best relative athletic score overall of any player in this entire class on the defensive side of the ball. He's six foot and one. 197 pounds. Those are great numbers relative to the corner position. He's got the length. Everyone knew that already. The vertical jump, absolutely insane. 41 and a half inches, 9.86 score, 9.79 score on the broad jump, over 11 foot broad jump, 438 40 yard dash with that kind of length and that kind of explosiveness. 20 yard split, 2.55, 9.16 relative athletic score. 10 yard split, 1.54. I believe that was an 8.28 relative athletic score. I mean, this is as good as it gets athletic athletic profile wise um, with arm length of 32 inches. I mean, he's basically looks, looks the part, plays the part. He's a lock top 10, top five pick for me. Yeah. The New York giants have no shot of getting Christian, no shot. Gonzalez. <laughs> Christian Gonzalez is a player. He was initially at Colorado and then he transferred this last year to, to Oregon. So I think he is 
I haven't watched this film yet, but I think he's going to be one of my favorite cornerbacks and one of my favorite players in this draft. Just watching him on the on-field drills, he's so freaking smooth. He's a big guy, right? And he doesn't lose any momentum in that back. Like His back pedal was awesome to watch. And I believe he also comes from a long line of athletes. His sister is a, an Olympic sprinter for Columbia and the United States. And I think she's the one who's married to David Blau, the former Detroit oh, yeah. Lions quarterback. Wow. Yeah. So it's a really uh, athletic and cool family. I remember that from Hard Knocks, like watching her on that thing. And that's that's really interesting. So I didn't know that. But let's talk about another player who stole the show here with a 9.99 relative athletic score, tied for first with Christian Gonzalez. That's Deontay Banks out of Maryland, a player who, from what I've seen, and I haven't watched much of him, but what I've heard is that his film does not is not fully backed up by this. Or this athletic score is not fully backed up by the film, but obviously I haven't seen it. So I don't want to uh, spend too much time talking about that yet. And I'm not sure if you have, but I'll leave you. I'll let you ju uh, jump into that in one second here. But as far as the actual athletic testing goes and the profile height, nothing too special, but six foot, which is fine for a corner. It's like in the good range relative athletic score weight in the good range. Vertical jump 42 inches. Insane over 11 foot, four inch broad jump, insane 40 yard dash, four, three, six, insane. I mean, 20 yard split, two, five, five, 10 yard split, one, five, three. These are all elite numbers and quickness, long speed, which you need at the corner position. I believe it's one of the only times I care about 40 yard dashes, corner and, and receiver. Those are basically the only times I care about it. Um, and then insane explosiveness with the vertical and the broad jumps. What do you, what do you make of this from Deontay Banks? Cause I know this is going to shoot him up draft boards. I think I'm going to like Deontay Banks. I watched Charlie Jones, the Purdue wide receiver, who we'll be talking about tomorrow, and he was going up against Maryland. And there were some plays where I was like, this number three of Maryland is really good. And I know I watched a little bit of Maryland against Ohio State, and he had this one play where it was zone technique, and he carried the number one deep. It was a vertical. But Marvin Harrison was the number two, and he was basically like a sale concept. He was running a seven route. And Deontay Banks read what was going on and Marvin Harrison Jr. just broke away from his coverage. He was just wide open on the sidelines. He read that from depth and then just drove right down on Marvin Harrison Jr., got his hand on the football and just disrupted. And I felt like it was a really smart and heady play. And from what I saw on his tape against Purdue is he's really good in press. So I think Deontay Banks Ooh. is going to be a player that That's a Wink Martindale fit. Yeah, I think he's going to be a player that Wink Martindale is going to be very interested in. Okay. And I'm actually eager to get to his profile because I've been working through the cornerbacks now. Like I've watched like Keely Ringo. I've watched Joey Porter jr. And I, they're, they're good players. Right. But like, I, I just, I have a feeling about Deontay banks and I, I hope it's substantiated by the film. And I also don't allow that to cloud my judgment. It's just from the little bit that I have seen, I was like, dude, I think this guy could fit the giant system. Yeah. And that's really interesting. So maybe I'm excited to get into that as well, because this is just another player, potential player who at 25, I think will be on the short list for the giants. If what you just said is true, if they like him impress man and everything else seems to check out from the athletic profile standpoint, uh, length isn't, I guess the best thing there arm length 31 and 3.75 inches there. Um, so not terrible. there, not amazing height, not amazing there, but everything else checks out. Few other guys who had the highest relative athletic score from day two of the combine at corner: Riley Moss out of Iowa, Jacorian Bennett out of Maryland, Daniel Scott out of Cal, and then your boy here, who I feel like is kind of like this is when you had your early call of um, the edge from from Miami a couple years ago. Uh, oh yeah, uh, Jalen Phillips. Jalen Phillips, who actually yeah. had a really good year last year, by the way, like sick year. Yeah, I was looking. I at mean, I, I don't like to take too much credit for that. Because he was also like the first overall recruit of his recruiting, but like he quit at the time, though, he was discussed as like a second or third round pick, I think. 
Yeah, well, he went to UCLA. Yeah, yeah, you, well, you're right. But he went to UCLA, had concussion issues, quit football, yeah, then came back to football, went to on. Miami. And everyone was talking a lot more about Gregory Rousseau, who's a good yep. player in his own right. And I was like, yo, this Jalen Phillips guy. And I still feel like Jalen, they're totally different players. But Jalen Phillips is much more of that bendy, explosive type of player rather than Greg Rousseau is much more of that Lucas Van Ness power type dude. And when you get a chance to check out his pass rush productivity on Pro Football Focus, he was really, really good last year. Okay. Jalen Phillips. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I was looking at the other day to see Kayvon Thibodeau and how he kind of matched up with some of the edges around the NFL. And so Jalen Phillips was one of those guys who popped. But this all leads me to talking about Julius Brents, the corner out of Kansas State, who Nick brought up on a couple podcasts ago. And I think the interesting thing about Julius Brents is that he played press man, played a good amount of that, and he came into this combine and, you know, he may be a little bit more of an unknown, but he had a really good combine, man. Arm length, 34 inches, which is awesome. Height, six, uh, just over six foot, almost six foot uh, one there. Weight, 198. Those are both elite scores. 41 and a half inch vert, elite score there. 11 foot, eight, uh, six inch broad jump, elite score there. 40 yard dash wasn't great, 453 which I think actually could work in the Giants' favor potentially if uh, as somebody who could maybe, you know, this could be something that makes him fall potentially. Um, 2.63 20-yard split, nothing great, solid. 1.57-yard 10-yard split, just solid. So the deep speed, just solid testing-wise. The, you know, quickness and acceleration, just solid. But then, dude, the shuttle, 4.05 uh, seconds, elite. The three-cone, 6.63 seconds, absolutely insane three-cone for a corner yeah. there. Showing off elite level change of direction. I believe somebody tweeted this. I think it was Kent Lee, but don't quote me on that. And I apologize if I didn't credit the right person. I'll do it on a, on a past podcast, but he said the closest relative athletic score he can find to Julius Brents was former star corner in the NFL, Charles Tillman. And he said, and he said, this is before, this was before the agility drills. And actually Julius Brents has had much better testing in the agility drills until Tillman. he said, Julius Brents is a prospect with absurd length, an explosive lower body, and decent speed. If his ability is tremendous, he's going to be a real tool, toolsy defensive back. So what are your thoughts on all that from Julius Brents? Well, one correction. He's 6'3", so he's okay. like a shade under 6'3". Oh, yeah, that's 6'2 and a half. Sorry about that. I did get that wrong. It's all good, man. He had 34-inch arms, and you're talking about elite testing when it comes to the three cone and the explosive drills, right? Like I don't really yep. care too much about the four Change or five, three. I, explosive. Yep. I'll say this though, man, there were times where I felt like his recovery was a little lackluster. Okay. So that like deep speed did yep. come up on tape. I noted it uh, on his profile. I'm not sure if, if uh, Patricia trainer posted his profile quite yet, but it should be dropping on giants country shortly. I, I did it. I think a couple days before the combine, I don't think he's stiff, but he could use a little bit of WD 40. A little bit of squeaky, like like I, he's not the most fluid. He's not like a Christian Gonzalez. I'll say I'll say that about Julius Brents, but he is somebody who I am thinking about at twenty five, and that might be a little rich. Maybe I'm not really certain how many teams will ding him for that four five three. Maybe the Giants could get lucky and get him a little bit later on. So maybe twenty five is a bit aggressive, but in the second round, and maybe only twenty five is aggressive because Joey Porter, because Christian Gonzalez, because yeah. all of these other players. But I really did. Bang, I, I appreciate Yes, yes. I appreciated Julius Brent's tape. Him and Quentin Johnson went back and forth. I feel like Johnson got the best of him in the conference championship game. I felt like Brent's probably got the best of him in week eight, I think it was, against TCU. But overall, when you have that type of length and that type of explosive ability, I'm going to be interested in you, especially yeah. in a yeah. system 
where you need to know how to press. And I felt like Brents was pretty disciplined as a press defender. So I am, I'm definitely, he's going to be on my mind, even maybe for round one. I'm not sure if that's a little bit too rich though. Yeah. I mean, look, the six foot two with 34 inch arm length, the, the lab built length for a corner, especially in a press man scheme, like Wink's going to run, like you said, elite level change direction and elite level explosiveness are things I like to see too. I do though worry when I hear from you that on film, you thought the recovery speed was maybe lacking at the big 12 level, right? Can I read my synopsis? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. All right. Here's my synopsis of him. All right. So overall, Julius Brents is a physical cornerback with rare 99th percentile length and height for the position. His aggressive mentality and ability to switch zone coverage responsibilities in a prompt manner helped Kansas State create turnovers in 2022. He's smart, up and dependable as a player who also has press upside. Unfortunately, concerns about Brent's vertical speed to carry faster wide receivers are valid. He's not a complete stiff, but some of his transitions could use WD-40. It's not always smooth. He won't be lost playing man coverage, but his ideal fit is likely as his own defender. So I did have that in there. Love his tackling mentality, but he can get a little bit wild into contact. He needs to kind of drive his feet and wrap up a little bit more. There could be a discussion about moving him to safety because of his aggressive nature to fill in run support and his unique size. His instincts and zone coverage suggest he could handle that from a processing standpoint, but that still remains to be seen. I like Brent's skill set. Just wish I trusted his athletic ability, mainly the speed, a little bit more. Maybe he can shock some at the 2023 NFL scouting combine. And he ended up shocking, in my opinion. It's just a 4 five, 3 is going to be a little frowned upon. And I had a round two grade on him. So zone, when I say zone, it's more cover three match is what I'm thinking mm-hmm. about just because of that long speed. I think about, you know, number one, deep horizontal crossing routes. How is he going to yep. cover that? So that's my one concern because his transitions aren't always smooth. And he has that four five, three speed because when he was beat, it took him a little bit to recover. Like I didn't love his recovery speed. And that's something that doesn't mesh as well with Wink Martindale as maybe as I sold it a little bit earlier. And I think that's worth noting because, I, like I was going to say, with a player like that, I get—I don't want to say flashbacks, but I do start to think a little bit about the DeAndre Baker pick because I remember with Baker, he dominated the SEC, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, he had a ninety back-to-back ninety-plus grades from PFF in the SEC." He didn't give, but everybody was like, "I don't know." When you watch him, the recovery speed isn't there. And he tested, I think, in the four fives and the forty-yard dash, just like Brent. And sometimes with those players, once you translate to the NFL you know, game and you're playing against NFL receivers, you're no longer playing against these big 12 receivers where a lot like, like Nick likes to call them the future accountants of America. Um, oh yeah. All, all seemingly jo- joining uh, the big four, uh, Ernst and young Ernst and, uh, They're just reeling them in from, from receiving KPMG players. baby. Yeah, Shout exactly. it out. Shout out KPMG <laughs> but, baby. Yeah. KPMG. But they're all going there immediately. It's like a funnel program from NFL receiver at college. To, but my point is, you're facing such a different level of athlete at receiver, the NFL level. So it is, it can sometimes be a death sentence for some of these players. I think even players like cam Dantzler and just like come like other first round picks that come to mind that didn't have that recovery speed and that deep speed. It's something that at least gives me cause for concern. And that's why I'm a little bit less excited about 25. Cause I know the giants need the cornerback, but much more about a second round option. Cause there's going to be other corners that I'm sure who could possibly be around. Now you even have that Illinois kid, who didn't test the yeah, He's not happy at 25. No shot. Yeah, I have to watch Illinois' tape yeah. because they have those two safeties, Sidney Brown and then the other one who ended up testing, who we'll talk about, Tavius Martin, and you have Witherspoon. So that secondary is just absolutely loaded. I'm not sure what they're doing with that program, but when you have three guys coming out of the secondary who all might be you know, picked in the first two one days One year of after traffic, having Kirby Joseph, too. 
Yeah, Kirby Joseph. Yeah, yeah, one of the steals of the draft last year. That was last year. So yeah, they're doing something over there. Brett Bielma and his crew. Screw Brett Bielma, though. I don't like Brett Bielma. Uh, let's talk <laughs> a little bit about another prospect who, in any other class, would have had an like we'd be screaming about how good his relative athletic score was, but this class was so insane from an athletic standpoint. We just went over two nine point nine nine players, and then Brent, who was even higher than this player we're about to go of next on a relative athletic score standpoint, and that's Joey Porter Jr., the corner out of Penn State. His relative athletic score still dominant, 9.62. He's also got what you're talking about with Brent. It's that incredible length, 34-inch arms, height six foot two and a half, elite, elite. Weight is an elite. Who cares? Bench press was elite, though, or borderline elite, 17 bench press. The vertical jump wasn't great from Porter, actually. It was pretty bad. It was 35 inches. But the broad jump, surprisingly, was really good. You usually see those kind of mesh together and like if you have a good vert you have a good broad because it is just showing off your explosiveness thought that was a little interesting that that wasn't the case the 40 yard dash 4.46 solid pretty good i would say 20 yard split 2.6 solid pretty good but an elite 1.5 10 yard split and i don't have his agility testing information so i'm not sure what he did on that front but i did see after that that from a relative athletic score standpoint he compares favorably to patrick sertan I don't think he's going to look as good as Sertan on tape. You can tell me. You've watched a little bit of him. I mean, Sertan was just a technical technician uh, when you watched him there. So what are your thoughts on Joey Porter Jr. and how he performed the combine? Yeah, I have a second-round grade slightly a little bit higher than Julius, but I don't have a lot of first-round grades, and that's just kind of how this class is right now. And I evaluated Patrick Sertan when he came out of Alabama. He was a top 15 grade like i you're okay, one of the better so, so like i don't i don't view joey porter jr in the same light as patrick sertan i think joey porter jr is fine i think he can step in i let's see what i have written on his synopsis joey porter jr is a talented cornerback in a deep corner class his length physical nature ability to impose his will via the press and nfl bloodlines are excellent building blocks for a starting cornerback in the nfl however he isn't smooth while changing directions he gets too grabby in and out of breaks and while effective at pressing, his ability to flip his hips instantaneously when he is beat is only modest. The Giants may have interest in Porter Jr. He'll likely be selected before pick 25, which I believe. I have yet to evaluate the entire cornerback class, but I don't believe Porter Jr. will be in my top four. Check back with me in a month. Still, you can't teach the size and the length. If he can become more disciplined with his grabbiness and maybe slightly better at anticipating reacting to certain breaks, his less than ideal ability to flip his hips will be mitigated at the next level. And what did you think from a recovery speed standpoint when it comes to player? Like it was better than Brent's. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And also with, with Porter, it was unique for him, man, because in week one against Purdue, I think he saw like 17 targets or like something like they threw at him That's like crazy. And then the rest of the year, I think he only saw 17 targets. So it says something. He wasn't really challenged yeah. too much for the rest of the season. So I, I think he he's good ball skills. You know, I think he plays really aggressively through the catch point. There's a lot of reasons to like him, but I also heard of him like getting top 10 buzz. And I was just like, I didn't really see it. So I had a second round grade on him. And when I have a second round grade on him, that doesn't mean that I think he should be selected in the second round because I might not have that many first round grades just to kind of clarify. Right. So I yeah, might only not. Have, like, yep. Just to, exactly. I know exactly where you're getting at. Just to clarify what Nick's saying there too, and you could have done this. I mean, I didn't need to cut you off, but he, what he means by that is like he's not going to go down and have 32 first round grades, 32 second round grades, 32 third round grades. That's not how he evaluates a class. He's just evaluating it in the larger scope of it. Like some classes for him may have 17 first round grades. Some draft classes may have 45 first round grades. You yeah. just don't know. Though that ladder I haven't seen yet. We'll wait to the day where we see a four that draft that that stack at the top. But if I was yeah. doing this back in like 
2014 or 2011, like those draft oh, classes. That 2011 class was sick. Yeah, they were insane. The best classes ever. All right, let's talk about another corner who you actually mentioned at the top of the show, so I want to bring him back up. And he also had an elite relative athletic score right along the lines of Joey Porter. In any other class, this would be top five in the class. This doesn't even make top six because, again, these corners were so dominant. And that's Keely Ringo out of Georgia. 31.25-inch 31. arms, six foot one and a half, pretty good there from a length standpoint. 207 pounds I thought was interesting. He's a bigger corner from that standpoint. Yep. Bad vertical jump, okay broad jump, really bad vert, though, 33 and a half inches. 40-yard dash, though, the speed, oh, it was there. 4.3640 is sick. 2.5 20-yard split, sick. 1.53 10-yard split, sick. So acceleration, quickness, and deeps and, and long speed is all there for him. In addition to length, because six foot one and a half is pretty damn good. Obviously not the longest arms there. What do you make of Keely, of Keely Ringo? And, and is he a prospect you're interested in and where for the Giants maybe? I don't know if I'm interested in him at 25. I, I mean, maybe, I mean, I probably would be maybe a, a little bit interested in him at 25 just because I know the Giants need those cornerbacks. But he's another one who I didn't feel like he was that quick whilst changing direction. Right. Okay. I knew he was going to run that four, three, six. And he's also somebody who, and I know those explosive drills weren't all that great, which is something else that kind of showed up on tape because I have him down here for mit, for failing in one-on-one -on -one situations on vertical routes, several different times to where you, you wouldn't really imagine that he would right? somebody who yeah, was well, as, kind of speed. as this player, like Keely Ringo, I have it right here in my notes. He had a third quarter miss against Missouri, a first quarter miss against Vanderbilt, a first quarter miss against Kentucky and a second quarter miss against Florida, where it was just one-on-one -on -one situation and he jumped or he misjudged the jump or he didn't jump high enough. And he ends up getting like mossed in these situations. Mm -hmm. And that's not really ideal. Now, just a little background on Ringo. This is somebody who was one of the top recruits, a five-star recruit at a Sugoro high school out here in Scottsdale. So he's out here in Arizona, same high school that Byron Murphy went to same high school that Christian Kirk went to and where did both those teams or players get drafted? The Arizona Cardinals. So maybe the Arizona Cardinals will select them early on day two. <laughs> Who knows? They need corner help, but he was a widely discussed prospect and he ended up tearing his labrum in his freshman season. So he got redshirted and then he came in and he started the last two years when UGA, the Georgia Bulldogs won the national championship. So he was the starting number one cornerback for two national championship teams. That says something. He's another one who has press man ability, elite vertical speed, but I just feel like he's a much better linear athlete. Again, not the stiffest guy in the world, but not the most fluid either. And when you're discussing these cornerbacks, that's important, right? Because it's a spectrum, right? Like you, it's not like you're either stiff or you're not like how stiff are you? How how much stress do you have when you're attempting to open and close and flip your hips? Sure. And I feel like Keely Ringo and Julius Brents and players like that, they're not as fluid as some of these other top guys who are in this class. And you can even throw Joey Porter's name in there. But this is somebody who is a size and speed freak, who is very physical, who is willing in run support, and who can be incredibly disruptive at the catch point. I just think his, his judging and his tracking and his concentration and abilities like that are things that can improve. I still think he's kind of raw. I think he's raw in his press technique. I saw some false steps where he was stepping with that inside foot, giving out the outside release. I felt like his jam wasn't all that refined. If all those things are kind of developed upon, yeah, he might not just automatically become the most oily athlete in terms of opening his hips, but then he's more technically sound and he can mitigate the mistakes that happened this past season in those situations. So interested. I don't even know. Like I'm wondering, like, is he a first round pick now? And I don't, I don't know. know. Now, the four, three, six alone might move him up, but it's possible. Like 
we don't have too many four, three, six type athletes in this class. And every, obviously at that position, they're looking for speed. So it's possible. I don't think that so. pedigree though, the, the size, yeah, that the, the linear speed, yep. the pedigree, and the fact that he was the starting cornerback for Georgia. And what you just said to Nick, right? Like some coaches like what you just said. Some coaches think like, I still see a lot of false stats. I see, see all these things like yeah. I can fix that shit fast. Right. And so now I fix that and he's immediately a much better player tomorrow than he was on his tape. And we're drafting him based on his tape, right? Like that might actually work in his favor at times. And there's a player that we'll talk about on the next podcast too, mm-hmm. University of Tennessee wide receiver Cedric Tillman, who yeah. in their matchup twice, I felt like Tillman got the best of him. And I think Ringo had an interception in one of those games, but Cedric Tillman, in, especially in 2021, got the best of Keely Ringo. And I really like Tillman, man. Like, there's not a lot of big receivers in this draft class, Dan. And and that guy is a big physical wide receiver, and he could be had on day two. But that's for another podcast. I've seen a little bit of him because I started watching Jalen Hyatt, and you just obviously watch him. Kind of, I I like him too, and I think he could be a real big sleeper in this class because because Hyatt is on the other side of him. He and you were you were watching him when he was hurt, probably too, when he was overcoming a high ankle. He was playing through it. Yep, Uh, 2021 tape. Yeah, and and he had a better. 2021, like Hendon Hooker and quarterback situation, not even right. the 2022, you know what I mean? So True. it's better uh, system and the system was better. I, and I think yeah. what he kind of reminded me of a player who doesn't really, it, he does not, if you think about this player, you're probably going to think of him in terms of what he's shown lately in the NFL, but I'm thinking about more of what this player was like at, at, at college. And he reminds me a little bit of Chris Godwin at Penn state, because when Chris Godwin was at Penn state, he played more on the outside. He was a different yeah. kind of receiver. He won a lot of those balls where he would like cl- climb the ladder to make the catch. And so I kind of get a little bit of vibes of him coming out. And I really liked him coming out as well. Obviously he's been more of a slot guy at the NFL level, just playing with Brady and things of that nature, but just something to keep in mind. That's kind of what I see early there. Let's talk about some other corners here. Let's talk about a player who we discussed during the senior bowl week a little bit, and that's camps. And we didn't really even discuss him. We discussed his teammate, but we mentioned him and that's cam Smith, the corner out of South Carolina who also tested really well, obviously it's been buried because there were so many other dominant testers in this, but he tested pretty damn well too. 9.24 overall relative athletic score. That's in the elite green. The height was pretty good. Six foot one arm length. Okay. Wait, nothing to talk about, but vertical jump 38 inches. That's great. 11 uh, foot, two inch broad jump. Amazing. Four, four, five, 40 solid to pretty good 20 yard split, 2.58, pretty damn good. 10 yard split solid. So I didn't get the uh, agility drill testing with him. Um, not sure what that was and if it was released, but as far as just those traits go, as far as pure speed length, as far as the height, the explosive drills, the quickness with the 20 and the 10 splits pretty good there. Yeah, it was very good. And he didn't test the agilities, if I'm, okay. if I'm not mistaken. He had this one interception against Clemson because I did an evaluation on Darius Rush before the Senior Bowl even happened. And I knew Cam Smith was on the team, but I was only trying to focus on seniors at the time. So I just kind of saw Cam Smith while watching Darius Rush, and I've yet to do an evaluation on Cam Smith. But I remember this interception he had against Clemson where he carried the two, and the two actually had like vertical separation on him, but he showed recovery to or the recoverability to get underneath that number two receiver on a deep post and really just dive in front of him like he was shot out of a cannon really showing that broad jump if anybody wants to see it look up cam smith 2022 clemson interception just dove in front and then just plucked the ball out of the air for a really acrobatic interception so he has that within his tape and i also remember watching the university of tennessee when i was watching jalen hyatt and cedric tillman he was up against Jalen Hyatt in the slot as the number two receiver. And he had about, I don't know, maybe like 12 to 15 yards of separation on top of Jalen Hyatt. So I was wondering if 
how fast he would test. I'm like, is there speed concerns right. here? Because obviously Jalen Hyatt, you know, you want to give him his separation and everything. But I was like, oh, I was a little curious as to how he would test. And four four three is is admirable. And a one four nine ten yard split is very impressive for a cornerback yeah. too. Agreed. Those numbers were surprising to me. And that's somebody who I think could also now move way up draft boards, potentially into that round two range, maybe even a little higher. You don't know. But I want to talk about one more corner here and then we'll talk. We'll wrap it up with a few safeties. She's a player who I've seen a lot of people mock pretty high. So I was curious to get your take on. Maybe you've seen him, maybe you haven't. And he tested really well at the combine with a 9.27 RIS score. And that's Emmanuel Forbes, the corner out of Mississippi State. 32.2, uh, 32 and a fourth inch arms. Decent height, nothing great there. Six, just six foot and a half. Uh, not the biggest corner. He's 168 pounds, which is tested really poorly uh, from a size standpoint. And that could be a major concern, but maybe he can put on that weight. Decent, uh, actually pretty good vertical and broad jumps. Not elite, but pretty good. But then a 4 3 5 40 yard dash, which is eye opening to say the least. A 2 5 2 20 yard split, also elite. And a 1 5 1 10 yard split, also elite. So obviously has the speed. Obviously has the quickness and acceleration, decent explosiveness with the jumps. Small though at one sixty six, I believe one sixty six actually he weighed in, and even less than what I said originally, and only decent length. What are your thoughts on Forbes? I haven't seen him on tape. Just watching him run the forty, I feel like his ass is where most people's thoracic spine is located. It's just that's how long his legs are. Like he's just all legs, all stride length. And I like that. that's really all I kind of have on him. I haven't seen his mm -hmm. tape yet, but yeah. he has that whole Cordell flot thing going on at 166 pounds, which is a little bit problematic, but it seems like he's a good athlete though. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We'll move on. We'll get to, we'll get some players. Maybe you saw the safety position, uh, Brian branch, not the best athletic testing. I know some people talked, talked about maybe Brian branch, the giants at 25, a little look good know, in the gauntlet though, dude, they look good in the gauntlet. He's going to be a good player. Like, I don't think just because he'll be a first round well player. Athletically. Yeah. That I don't know. I'm curious. Yeah. Those position, those players, like even last year, I thought, you know, what's his name from Notre Dame, who was a much better prospect. Um, Kyle the Ravens eventually took, he fell to like the mid team. So yeah, I think it was 14. Yeah. 14. Yeah. He was supposed to be. So, I don't know if the NFL values the, what Branch does. They should. Like, yeah, I feel like Branch is a much different player. Well, he is different, a much different, way player. different player, way Kyle different player. Yeah, but I'll say this. So, but I'm not. I'm not sure they value that even less. Is what I would think that style. No, see, this is this is this is where I'm. So he's like an elite nickel defender. Brian yes. I think the way running backs and linebackers are a little bit devalued. I think the nickel is going to start trending upward. We've been talking about it for the last like half decade about how teams it are should. Base personnel is irrelevant, right? Like yes. your nickel and sub packages, at least 75% is a starter at this point. Exactly. So I just think there's going to be a team that's going to look and be like, okay, let's, let's bring him in. I think he's going to end up being a first. He's just too smart and he's too talented. Yes. Four five, six isn't, isn't great. Like trust he me, he should be a first rounder, but yeah. I just don't know that he will with the four five, with, with the, that, with that athletic testing and just the fact and with the competition he has to go up against like some of these right. other players yeah right there's a lot of good prospects i i would bet that he's not if i had to bet just based on how the recent drafts have played out but i think you make a good point as far as the nfl will hopefully start to value these positions more like for example a lot of people i've talked to have been like you can't have jackson smith and nigba as your potential art wires you want and i think likely how <laughs> the way i end this are jackson smith and nigba how do you spell that last uh, in jigba jigba jack jsn like you can't have JSN as your wide receiver one. And if I had a gun to my head right now, he's probably the wide receiver I'd be most willing to make a bet on out of anyone he in this class. Like so he'd be good. the first one I take. 
most likely. And I don't, and by the time I'm done with this, I'm pretty sure it's going to be pretty clear. And I don't care because slot is a starting receiver in the NFL. That is, and I know some people say from the Giants standpoint, like, oh, they already just drafted Juan Armstead. I don't care. Juan Armstead might not be that great in the NFL. Let's be honest. And so if I can get an elite slot guy, like a Cooper Cup type, Give me that crap. Like everyone who said you can't draft these slot guys, well, now we're losing out on Cooper Cups of the world, right? Like all the, and I think somebody did a good tweet on there's like four other receivers who they said you can't draft these slot only. Slot is a starter right now. Your slot receiver is a starter. Your nickel defender, as Nick just said, is a starter. That's what base is these days. It's 11 personnel for most teams. So overall, I just wanted to make that point because I think that will change. Hopefully, NFL will trend that direction. But anyway, let's talk a little bit about a few other safeties. Another player I saw getting buzz before the combine and then just had a horrific combine but i'm sure he has really good tape because i saw some like you know people thinking he was one of the top 50 players in the class have you seen any of jammy robinson the strong safety out of florida state i have not but he has a one-of-one name jammy is pretty jammy, badass yeah, i loved when you got a name jammy it's it's great um we jamming we jamming in the name of the law that's just what i think about when i hear jamming jammy I'm on a little Bob Marley for you, but let's get oh, back. Okay. Yeah, right. a, little, a little Bob Marley, but like listen it. to this horrific combine from Jamie Robinson. That's why, that's why I put it on the list. Sub 30 inch arms. Yikes. Five foot 10. Yikes. 191 pounds for a strong safety. Yikes. Good bench press. Good job. 33 and a half inch vert. Yikes. Just above nine foot broad jump. Yikes. Rough. Four, five, nine, 40. No good. 2.66 20-yard split. I mean, these are actually like solid numbers for a strong safety. 10-yard split, 1.58 solid, but that could hurt him. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have much on him because yeah. I haven't seen him. I've heard his name, though, and that's definitely not a great comp. And even like the, the measurables, man, like uh, 5'11 is whatever. That's that's not terrible, but the sub-30-inch arms, Ugh. that sucks. That sucks, man. That sucks as a safety or any kind of defensive back. Yeah, you don't want that. You always said that in the case of Darnay Holmes, and I haven't loved what I've seen from Darnay Holmes, and I was really high on him coming into the NFL, and I'm just talking about what I've seen so far with the Giants. So something I'm keeping an eye on as I move forward in these evaluations, putting maybe more, a little bit more onus on the arm on the arm length. Yeah, I'm just wondering if Joe Shane does. I mean, like Wando Robinson, True. I know that's not a defensive back, but Wando Robinson Still, was zero, right. zero percentile arm length. Insane. He had the lowest arm length of any other wide receiver who has ever been evaluated. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about a Tyrannosaurus Rex out there, bro. Yeah. A small one. You know, a mixture. Yeah. You really leave yourself no margin for error with a quarterback. If you have a, that, that kind of arm length, like there's no catch radius. But And we've seen that be an issue for Wandell at times, at least in his rookie season. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, another player you mentioned earlier that I wanted to bring up because he actually had a really good combine. That's Sidney Brown out of Illinois. He had a 9.63 relative athletic score overall, 31 and a half inch arms. Not great height at five foot nine and a half, but everything else was good. The bench press, 23 reps, amazing. Vertical jump, 40 and a half inches, amazing. 10, 10 foot, 10 inch broad jump, amazing. Four, four, seven, 40 yard dash, really good. I don't think anyone was expecting him to do that at 211 pounds. Uh, 2.6, 20 yard split, really good. 10 yard split, one, five, one, also really good. So just elite athletic testing there from Sidney Brown. Yeah, he's a former track athlete, and he was somebody who went down to the Senior Bowl and then kind of turned a lot of heads. Him and his brother Chase, who I, I saw a rep at the Senior Bowl where he stole the soul of Riley I Moss. Like, I like Chase back. Brown a lot, Nick. He had a good combine. He had a good and combine. By the way, there's like just shows how insane this running back class is, dude. There's probably like eight backs I like more than him or nine. Yeah. So Sidney Brown is somebody though that like five ten. That's whatever. Like that, I believe these two are from Canada and and they came down to Florida. 
with a, like a family member and they went to one of the top schools in Florida, if I'm not mistaken. He went to one of the top business schools and got great uh, grades. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What was, it? Got, what was it? He went to the top business school and got what grades? <laughs> uh, dude, I was watching Nathan. I watched the line. I was Damn. watching Nathan for you recently, man. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, the sports store and the antique shop. Oh my God. It's the one if anybody it you buy it. Is it that one? Yes. And then he, they would, they would lure drunk patrons in because she was open 24 hours a day and they made like all the aisles so narrow and he dressed <laughs> them up in a gigantic sumo suit because, because yeah. <laughs> he was like, we're going to a costume party. Yeah, That's a real life person that has no idea what's going on. Oh, one of the best shows ever, Nathan, for you. I highly recommend yeah, it. Yeah, we both but, do. Oh, absolutely. Big move Andrew Silva approval for those out there. Absolutely. And Sydney Brown, though, like 10 and one fourth in chance, bro, is that's big for a safety, right? Yeah, like catch true. the damn football in those types of situations. But yeah, that's a phenomenal athlete who definitely did really well for himself. I'm just very excited to get into the Illinois secondary. And Jatavis Martin is another player who did not disappoint at the combine, another right. safety at Illinois. Yeah, they have crazy athletes coming out of there at the defensive back room. Witherspoon didn't really test much of the combine or, you know, practice or on the wasn't on the field much, but he's a surefire top 10, top 15 pick at corner. So anything else that's safety that stood out to you? Just uh, Jatavis Martin, the Illinois kid. I mean, just yeah, 44 inch vert with a 10 yard split of one, four, seven and a broad jump of 11, one. That's ridiculous testing numbers yeah. right there. So it's, um, I'm eager to get into that tape. He's a little bit more undersized than Chase, not as dense, 5'11", 194 pounds. But with those types of testing numbers and with the ascension of Kirby Joseph proving that, hey, man, we might be turning into a small little Big right. Ten factory for defensive backs. Who knows? Brett Bielma getting it done. Am I right there, Dan? Yeah, the Big Ten is starting to produce factories in many schools. we got Iowa producing tight ends, Wisconsin producing linebackers, and uh, of course, Illinois now potentially producing safeties. But, you know, safety is an interesting position. I feel like it's a much bigger need for the Giants than people are really talking about right now or thinking about or discussing. Like, we don't know if Julian Love's going to come back. And if he's not back, like we're looking at the Pinnocks of the world, maybe Dane Belton, like that could become a major issue for the Giants fast. I'm wondering how the Giants actually feel about Dane Belton and Micah yeah. McFadden for that matter. I mean, it doesn't matter. They're going to be under contract for the next three sure. years, very cheap contracts. So I'm hoping they're in their plans, but they got a really um, in-depth look at those players. Let's hope that it was positive after one year. Agreed. All right. That's all we have for today on the defensive combine breakdown, a little update on the Jones Barkley contract discussions, keeping locked and loaded tomorrow. We will be discussing the offense at the combine. And there is a slew of wide receivers. I want to talk about offensive linemen. I want to talk about, we're going to talk quarterbacks because I thought there was interesting stuff there running backs, but man, despite all of the excitement I have to discuss running backs and receivers specifically, I mean, offensive linemen, I'm not as into this year as for obvious reasons, Giants don't need a tackle and quarterback. We're not going to get that into, but tight ends, my dude. Oh my God. Am I obsessed with this tight end class? This is insane. Tight end class. Like I don't give a crap what anyone says about tight end. I'm in, I'm in, get me a tight end. Like, you know, I want my unicorn tight end at some point. And if I don't even get a unicorn, like I'll take a Laporta. Laporta like looks almost identical athletic wise. We'll get into more of this tomorrow, but it looks identical from an athletic testing wise to George Kittle out of Iowa. And like he's like he's not even like he's not top five at that position at tight end. It's and Laporta is Iowa, by the way, too. Right. And point. he's coming out of Iowa. Right. So he has you know he's well coached. You know he can block from the coaching from that that standpoint, from technique standpoint. So I don't know, man. This tight end class is insanely loaded. So I'm you know their that. offensive play calling is still stuck in the 1990s. Yeah. <laughs> you know you're getting great play calling. You know you have the, more meat up to chew off the bone there because the play calling is so bad. But yeah. So we'll talk more offense tomorrow for sure. And we're gonna have more content coming this week. Like I teased a little bit earlier, Kent Lee who is the creator of the Relative Athletics uh, Sport, will be coming on the show to discuss some more things with us. 
Otherwise, have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.